So as we continue our series of sermon on leadership called Learning from the Old Testament Leaders, last week, if we remember, we spoke about Joshua. Joshua was a man of God, chosen by God to lead the children of Israel into the blessed land of Canaan. And we listened from the life of Joshua and we learned a couple of leadership qualities from the life of Joshua. And today we are going to talk about another great leader of the Old Testament. And we are going to learn a couple of leadership qualities, principles from this great man of God. And before we do that, shall we review our convictions? So every sermon we start with reading these convictions, just go over these convictions, reviewing them, just to make sure we are ready to learn. Are we ready this morning? Yes? Can I hear an S from you? Yes. So let's go through these convictions of our heart. So as we read, we are not just reading from our mouth, we are just really telling that from our heart. Okay, number one, we are all called to lead. I want you to read with me. So you are reading, you are, you are pronouncing, you are confessing these convictions. We are all called to lead. We are all called to influence. We commit to learn from the lives of the Old Testament leaders. These men and women of, are commanded by God. Leaders are defined by their characteristics. True leaders are truly teachable. The underlying cause of unteachable spirit is pride. We are willing to ask God for a spirit of submission that accepts discipline and correction. And as I said, today we are going to talk about another great leader of the Old Testament by name Nehemiah. Can you say Nehemiah? As we know the history of God's children, in the land of Babylon, if you remember, children of Israel were taken as captives in the year 605 BC before Christ to Babylon by a king by name Nebuchadnezzar. So they lived in, the, in their captivity for 70 long years. And God orchestrated the return very well and he did everything in a supernatural way. And if you remember that, the first batch of captives, they returned under the leadership of Zerubbabel in the year 538 BC. God stirred up the mind of a king by name Cyrus to build the temple of God. And he released Zerubbabel to go back to Jerusalem so that he could start the building work. That was the first batch. The second batch of exiles, they were released 80 years since the first return of the children of Israel. And the second return happened in the year 458 BC. Under the leadership of Ezra, another man of God, a scribe and a priest, under his leadership, second batch of children of Israel, they returned from Babylon into, into Jerusalem. Now, 14 years down the line, since Ezra brought the second batch of exiles, 14 years later, the third batch of exiles, they were returning from Babylon to Jerusalem in the year 444 BC. And God called a man by name Nehemiah to bring the remnants of the children of Israel, those who were left in Babylon, to bring them back to Jerusalem. 
And this morning, before we really go further into the sermon, we are going to do a quick run through of the book of Nehemiah. So we are just, there are 13 chapters in the book of Nehemiah, and we are just going to quickly go over all 13 chapters. And we are going to read from Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, just to, just to start with. The book of Nehemiah, if you can turn with me to book of Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And you also get that in the screen. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekaliah. And Bible says it came to pass in the month of Chislau, in the 20th year, as I was in Shusan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity. And concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken, broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words, Nehemiah says, I sat down and wept. And mourn for many days, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You know, that's how the book starts. It's very interesting. So in those days, the wall around the city was very, very important. A city without a wall is vulnerable to the attack of the enemy at any point of time. Citizens of the city without wall, the same as you know, citizens without any protection. They are not safe. Now chapter 1 of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah heard the report, Bible says he sat down and wept. For several days he was mourning and he was fasting and he was praying before the God of heaven. You know, all that people came and told Nehemiah was the wall, wall is broken down. Children of Israel, those who returned during the first batch and the second batch, they are not doing good. They are not very safe. The wall is broken down. And Nehemiah, when he heard about this, he was, sit he, he was sitting and he was just crying to God. Chapter 2, the Bible says Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. You know, since many kings in those days, they were poisoned by people who saw him, saw the kings. And you know, because of that reason, kings wanted to appoint someone who is trustworthy. And here we see King Artaxerxes, he appointed Nehemiah as the cupbearer. But he's not just a cupbearer, you know, he's in a powerful, powerful position. It's same as, you know, being a prime minister in that nation, but he has also had to serve King Artaxerxes. And now the king asked him when one fine morning he came with a cup of serving wine to the king. And king asked him, why your face looks so sad? Why are you so sad? You are not so often, but now something is wrong with you. You, are, you look so sad. What happened? And king also realized it's nothing that, you know, physically he is sick, but it is a sickness of heart. You know, that's what I understand. That's what king spoke to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was very afraid when he heard about this from the king. Nehemiah understood that king really understood what he is going through because he's so sad because, what is, because of what is going on in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah was very afraid, but he replied, 
May the king live forever. My face is sad because the city where my ancestors were buried, it's in ruins. And its gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this message, I was so sick in my heart. And then the king asked Nehemiah, what is that you want? What do you want me to do? What do you expect me to do? And Nehemiah silently prayed within him before answering the king. And he said, send me to the city of Judah. Now, he is in Babylon. Can you imagine? Nehemiah is in Babylon serving to a foreign king. And he is asking him, can you send me back to my nation? Because the nation is buried. I want to go and rebuild the walls. The walls are buried. And Bible says, God worked in the mind of King Hadrasaxis. And Bible says, it pleased the king to send Nehemiah. Now Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem. And three days he was just going, you know, into the city during the night to see the condition of the wall. And he found all the wall is ruined, totally shattered and brought to the ground. And Nehemiah challenged the Jewish leaders who were there already in, in, in Jerusalem. And scripture says in the end of chapter 2, and as he challenged, they all come in an agreement. And this is what they said, let us rise up and build the wall. Let us rise up and build the wall. And they set their hands on the job immediately. And chapter 3 says, the building work started. Each group was assigned to a specific job, to a specific section. And in chapter 3 says, they built the gates and they repaired the gates. And they started building the wall and they made repair to the wall. And they found all the gaps in the wall. Everything was completely filled. Now as we move further in chapter 4, there is so much of opposition coming from the people, those who are living there. First of all, there were opposition from the ungodly people there, those who are not godly, those who are, don't follow the God of Israel. When they heard that the wall is restored, there are a couple of names the word of God mentions, Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs and the Amorites and the Ashtodites. They all came to Nehemiah to fight against the Jews who were already in the business of building the wall. Enemies did not like the God's work progressing. Do you think that they like today? Do they? They don't like, they don't like God's work advancing. They were right there against Nehemiah. And as if you go further, Nehemiah had to protect the work of God. And Bible says he protected by two means. Number one, he was praying. He was praying for all the, against all the oppositions that were coming. And Bible also says that he said, watch against them day and night so that nobody can come and destroy the work, the building work that Nehemiah started. And chapter 5 says there is a great discouragement among his own people as they were building the wall. The builders were discouraged, so discouraged. There are a couple of reasons why the builders were so discouraged. Because their fellow Jews, now we remember opposition was coming from other people, non-Christian, non-Christian, non, 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 you know, uh, followers of the God Almighty. Opposition was coming from them. But now opposition was coming within their group of people. And what kind of opposition? The Jews, the fellow Jews, they became cruel taskmasters. In fact, they were not paying their money for the work that they were doing. And these people, those who are involved in the building of the wall, 
you know, they have to mortgage and they have to pledge their land and their houses to buy food. Listen to me, listen to me. They have to pledge their, you know, land and the mortgages, everything they have to give back their houses for what? For what? For food. Are you with me? For food. They did not have anything to eat even. They need to sell their houses if they want to eat. And they borrowed money to pay very high taxes. They sold even their sons and daughters into slavery. That's what Bible says. So that they get money and they can pay the tax. There was so much of heavy tax laid on them, on the builders, those who are involved in the building work. And Nehemiah became very angry. And he talked to those nobles and those authorities and tell them, do not charge any interest. Do not charge any interest. And Bible says even he demanded you know, them to return their property to the building workers so that the building work of the Lord can continue. And if you go further, chapter 6, people set traps even to kill Nehemiah. People set traps to kill Nehemiah. In fact, you know, non-Jewish enemies, they laid traps to kill Nehemiah and to destroy him. Sanballat and Tobias and Geshem the Arab and they all together conspired against Nehemiah to destroy him. They called Nehemiah. In fact, they called Nehemiah for a discussion. And they said, you come, we'll discuss. And you know what? They were setting a trap to kill him. But Nehemiah understood that. And he said, when the building work is happening, how can I come for a discussion? How can I come for a meeting? It was not an ordinary meeting. It was a time that Nehemiah would have been killed if he would have gone for that meeting. But Nehemiah escaped. And Tobiah and Sanballat, they even hired prophets to go and prophesy to Nehemiah, go and tell Nehemiah to come to the temple of God. We will go there and we will meet with you. And Nehemiah, a man of God, he had such a great discernment in his mind. He understood it is not really from God. These prophets are not from God. Do you think all the prophets are from God? Not really. Not really. Not many from God. Not many from God. Not many from God. And Nehemiah understood that very quickly that these prophets are not sent from God. And he escaped. There were false accusations against Nehemiah. The non-Jewish enemy falsely accused Nehemiah saying that, you know what? He's trying to become a king over you. That's what is his idea. That's the reason he came from Babylon to Jerusalem because he's trying to become a king. He's trying to become a hero among you. False accusation about Nehemiah. But in the midst of all this, the work of God was completed. Bible says the wall was completed in 52 days. How many days? It did not take a long time. In just 52 days, the wall got completed. And history says, Bible doesn't say that history says the length of the wall is 4,018 meters. 4,018 meters. It's around 2.5 miles. The average height is 12 meter height. It's 39, 40 feet. And the average thickness is around 2.5 meter. You can imagine the size of the wall, 2.5 meter, around 8.2 feet. And the wall contained 34 watchtowers and 8 gates. Such a huge work was done within 52 days. Nehemiah came and he appointed people and they were all in agreement. In the midst of opposition, they built the wall. Now the enemies of the Jews knew the work, it is the work of God. It is the hand of God that they cannot stand against. 
And Nehemiah went ahead and he started registering all the people, those who came from the exile. He registered all the Israel and he called the priest Ezra and he asked Ezra to come and read the word of God, read the book of the law in front of them. And they started observing the feast of tabernacle. Listen to this. This is very interesting. They started observing the feast, all the feasts of the Old Testament. And people started confessing their sins and people made covenants and ordinances before God and say, they said that we will keep away from all the ungodly things that we were involved with and we will start following God. Then the land was divided and distributed among all 12 tribes. You know, it's all happening under the leadership of Nehemiah. And the wall was dedicated finally. And Bible says there was a great joy in the city. There was a great joy in the city. And chapter 13, the Sabbath is brought back in order. The Sabbath is brought back in order. I like that. Bring Sabbath back in order in your life too. Sunday is the day for God. And I understand sometimes you need to work. Just work. But keep the day aside. Try your level best to give the day for God. You know, God will honor you. God will honor you. You know, I was trying to understand after all this hard work, Nehemiah went there and Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 13 verses 15 and 19, Bible says he brought back the Sabbath. Well, if, that was, if that is not important, Nehemiah would not have done that. He has done such a thing which, you know, pleases God, pleases God. Now, God expects us to honor Him by keeping that day aside for God. Now, I understand for work reasons, at times we may not be able to come, but try your level best. If you pray you know, eagerly, if you pray earnestly, ask God, Lord, somehow give me, Lord God, freedom to worship you on Sunday. I'm sure God will do that. God will do that. Can you start praying about it? Just pray about it. It's a bless, such a great blessing to keep this day aside for God, to stand, to be found in the presence of God. And Nehemiah, finally in the chapter 13, he put a stop to all the intermarriages that were happening. There are so much of intermarriages between the godly people and the ungodly people. And Nehemiah put a stop to everything. Nehemiah did everything. So Nehemiah did not neglect the distress of his people. Listen to this. Now we are just getting into the message. Now Nehemiah did not, did not neglect the cry of the, his own people. And he had boldness to stand before the king and to represent his own nation. You know, at times we are so fragile and we are so afraid even to tell people that this is what I want to do for my God. You know, we are so afraid. But Nehemiah was standing before the foreign king who has nothing to do with God. But Nehemiah was bold enough to ask him that I need to go back because my people are in need of me. And he prayed to God and God gave a favor for Nehemiah. And there were ridicules and there were mockeries and there were confusion and there, there were, you know, misunderstanding and there was so much is going on, opposition from the Jewish and non-Jewish and everything was the false accusation, everything was going on in the middle of all this. Nehemiah was very keen on the job, for the job for which God has called us. You know, God has called you to this nation as a missionary, as a missionary. There is nothing else. If you have come to this nation with all these hard efforts, you have come to this nation as a missionary because this nation needs God. This nation needs God. Nehemiah was willing to listen to the voice of God. And there were attacks. And lands and houses were taken as mortgage, but then, you know, he could get that back for his own people. 
And finally, the work, when the work of God was accomplished, God's law was brought back in the government. And sacrifices and offerings started in the temple of God. Temple of God started functioning on the Sabbath day. We see everybody going, rushing to the temple of God. Everything is brought back to the normal condition. Intercast marriages were stopped. Sorry, intermarriages were stopped. And Sabbath was brought back. And there was a great joy in the city. Can you imagine when people start serving God? When, when the government turns towards God. You know, God brings great joy in the cities of God. You know, that's what we need today. And you and I have a responsibility in this nation, like we are here, like Nehemiah, to build something that God wants us to build in this nation. We are talking about the leadership of Nehemiah, a great leader who was concerned about the spiritual condition of the people. It's not that he just came to build a wall. Listen to me. His objective was to bring that nation back to God. Back to God. Back to God. This morning, God is speaking to us. Nehemiah, he was a Persian cup bearer, but he was also a Jewish reformer. This morning, we are talking about the leadership qualities of Nehemiah. Number one, there are three things I quickly want to go through. Number one, leaders take initiative. It's always I. Can you repeat that with me? Read that with me. Leaders take initiative. It is always I. You know, no one asked Nehemiah to do all these things. He initiated everything by himself. There is no record of God calling Nehemiah and asking him to do the work of God. No, God did not call him. Of course, there is a call of God was upon him. But Nehemiah started, you know, look at Nehemiah's first and second chapter. I'll, read, I'll just give you some idea. I, how many times Nehemiah used, I listen to this very carefully. Nehemiah says, I asked them concerning the Jews. When I heard these words, that I sat down. And he says, I was fasting and praying. I pray, I have sinned. Introducing himself to God as your servant. He is coming to God and saying, Lord, look at me. I am your servant, Lord. And he says, I was the king's cup bearer. I had never been sad in the presence before. before. I became dreadfully afraid. I said to the king, I may rebuild it. I went to the governors. I came to Jerusalem. I arose in the night. I went out by night. I, I went on the fountain gate. I went up in the night by the valley to view the wall. Then I said to them, come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem. So they said, let us rise and build. How many eyes? Leaders take initiative. You know, as a leader, at times we are not asked. We are not asked to do, but we are expected to do. Do you know the difference? We are not asked to do at times. But we are expected to do. Nehemiah was such a great leader. There's nobody to ask him to do all these things. But he took the initiative. Great leaders, good leaders, they take the initiative. Leaders take initiatives and they say, I will do it. Can you say that with me? Leaders take initiative and say, I will do it. When I looked at the life of Paul, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 14, he says, I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press towards. And he again says in verse 30, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I. 
He's not boasting. Nehemiah is not boasting by putting I there everywhere. No. But he's saying that I just want to do it for God. I just want to do it for God. You know, when we take that kind of initiatives, you know, God honors those initiatives. Nehemiah took the burden on himself. And he took the risk on himself. And the, he took the heavy work on himself. Because leaders take initiative. The question that we need to ask is, are we taking certain steps that God wants us to take? Or we are hiding behind others? Good leaders, they take, initiative, they take initiatives. And we know that we are all called to lead. It's a conviction of our heart. We are all called to lead. We are leading somebody. We are leading something. We are leading our family. We are leading in the workplace. We are leading in the church. We are all called to lead. We are all called to lead. What are we leading? And are we taking initiative? There are burdens that God put in our heart. There were ideas that God put in our heart. There were, there were desires that God put in our minds at times. Where are those things? Are they buried somewhere? Are they buried somewhere? God wants us to take initiatives in those areas. Or are we waiting for somebody to tell us to do what we need to do? Good leaders, number one, they take initiative. Number two, leaders handle opposition. Can you say that with me? Leaders handle opposition. You know, Nehemiah had to handle numerous oppositions before he built that wall. You know, at times it is not easy. Every time they were advancing and there was a setback. If you read the book of Nehemiah very carefully, every time they went one step forward and they were brought back by two steps. You know, that's how it is going to be in our spiritual walk with you. How many of you wanted to walk with the God? How many of you took covenant you, at the beginning of the year? How many of you decided, I will follow this year? You know, people usually ask, what is your new year? Resolution, right? Come on, are you with me? You all remember your new year resolution? Right, so one step we want to move, move forward. And how many steps we, steps we go backward? Two steps. And we are able to confess that. <laughs> Two steps we go backward. It was the same thing in Nehemiah's life too. Every time when he advanced, he was you know, brought back. Sanballat and Tobias and the Arabs and Ammonites and Ashdodites, they mocked at Nehemiah. And they ridiculed him. You know, the way they ridiculed even, they said, even a fox walks on the wall, the wall is going to be, be wall is going to fall down. You know, how, what kind of ridicule it is? What kind of mockery? Even a fox walks on the wall, it's going to fall down. And the fellow Jews, you know, they were so discouraged because they lost everything, their buildings, their lands, because they're not able to pay the heavy tax. And Nehemiah was falsely accused, saying that, you know, he's going trying to become a king over you. But that was not the situation. Nehemiah was so burdened and his heart is so broken. He's not trying to become a you know, great leader. He wants to do the work of God. He wants to do the will of God. He wants to please God in everything that he did. Nehemiah as a leader, he was able to handle opposition. Leaders handle opposition. You know, today I don't really know what opposition we handle. Do we handle opposition? Is there somebody opposing you? Yes? No? Nobody? If nobody is opposing us, we need to really worry about what we do. Really, if nobody is opposing you, there is something wrong. <laughs> 
either with you or with the with the opposition party. <laughs> right? So, you know, we need to have a position because, you know, opposition does great things in our lives. First of all, it disciplines us. It rectifies us. It corrects us. It molds us. It makes us the vessels that God wants us to be. There's so many things in our lives. I know what you're, I, what I'm, I, I know, I hope you understand what I'm talking about. We don't know what kind of oppositions that we face today. You know, sometimes we face opposition within, from within our family. Sometimes we face opposition in our workplace. Workplace is not easy at times. People are against at times. People don't like the moment you say that you are a Christian at times. People don't like you the moment you say that you go to church every day. They ask, why do you go to church every day? What do you guys do there inside the walls? Right? So people are not going to be happy. There is opposition everywhere. There is opposition to share Christ. Can you go outside and speak about Christ out loud? And at times we are afraid, right? We're thinking that there will be somebody opposing us. There is opposition every, everywhere. And at times opposition within ourselves. Don't you feel that? Within ourselves? Yes? Right? Within ourselves. Go to church? No. Don't want to go to church. Saturday night, sleep at 10 o'clock so that you don't need to sleep at the church on Sunday morning service when I preach. But we don't do that. What time you go to sleep on Saturday night? 2 o'clock. It doesn't help. You said some other hour? Some, some other time? Sorry? 4 a.m. On Saturday? Sorry, Sunday morning? Sunday morning, okay. But you're awake. Thank God. Yeah, see? Look at the spirit. I'm encouraged. Amen. <laughs> there is something within ourselves opposing us at times. And it's true. It's true, especially in this weather. I don't feel like coming at church at 9 o'clock every day morning. I came late. I don't want to get up. I don't want to get up. Opposition within ourselves. What are the oppositions that we face today? There is opposition from the devil. Now I keep hearing some of you said that not, may not be here or somewhere else. There are prayer points saying that I keep hearing voices. I'm not able to sleep every night. I keep seeing bad dreams. I'm so afraid. I'm so confused at times. I don't know how do I move forward. The devil is against us. The devil is opposing us. Remembers, remember this, leaders, they don't really go behind or they don't really stay there and stare at the opposition, but instead they move forward. Great leaders, they know how to handle opposition. They look at opposition and they just walk away from those things as if nothing has happened. Nehemiah was such a great leader. Think about our Lord Jesus Christ. How much of opposition he had when he was on the face of this earth ministry. You know, the gospel of the kingdom suffers opposition. Christianity in different parts of the globe, they face oppositions. But Nehemiah handled oppositions in a very well manner. And he got the job done. You know, I don't know what kind of opposition that you may be facing. You may be facing opposition from your church. You may be facing opposition from your leadership. Whatever kind of opposition that you may face, think about Nehemiah. Think about Nehemiah. Just set your eyes on the target. Set your eyes on Jesus and move forward. Number three, 
The final characteristics of great leaders. Leaders drive towards spiritual. Can you say that with me? Leaders drive towards spiritual. You know, great leaders, we have great leaders. Thank God for the great leaders we have in, the, in, in Christianity. Thank God for the great leaders we have in our nation. Leaders, they don't work for fame in this world. They work with the aim of reaching souls in the eternity. Great leaders, they work for good things, not for fame, not for popularity. And great leaders are always eternity-minded like Nehemiah here. All the effort that Nehemiah has taken right from getting permission from king, from the king and traveling back to his nation and viewing the wall, broken wall three nights and walking around the city and you know, monitoring, observing the wall and raising people to support the work and started working the, you know, on the building of the wall and handling all this opposition, not for material gain, listen to me. Not that he wanted to become a king, no, that was not the objection. He was not running a political campaign there, no. Nehemiah was not doing that. Nehemiah was bringing a right surrounding. Listen, this is important. This is the key of this message. Nehemiah was building the right surroundings for the children of God so that he, they can start following God. So that they can start following God. You know, great leaders driving things around them with a spiritual mind. You know, God has called each one of us as great leaders. You know, today, whatever we do, let's have that spiritual mind. Whatever you do for your children, have that spiritual mind so that you will know, am I able to lead them to Christ by doing what I'm doing? When Nehemiah built the wall, he ensured physical protection. But now he worries about their spiritual protection. If you do all these things that you need to do for your child, and if you don't tell him or her about Christ and the eternity and the eternal punishment, everything is going to go waste. Their spiritual life need to be protected. Their spiritual life need to be protected. You know, people were made to listen Ezra. Reading the book of the law. You know, the book of the law was found somewhere in the, along the, in, the, in the debris. And they just dusted it off and brought the book of the law and put that book of the law in front of the people. And Ezra the scribe started reading the book of the law. The feast of the tabernacle was brought back. Children of Israel were assembled in fasting and praying and confessing their sins to God. They were making covenant with God saying that, Lord, we will never walk away from you. The reason why we became captives is just because we walked away from you. We did not observe your Sabbath. They are supposed to come for the Sabbath. Bible talks about it because they did not observe their Sabbath. They were taken into captivity. Lord, we will never do it. We will never do it. The temple responsibilities were assigned. Somebody was in charge of the house of God. Offerings. Bible talks about it. There is somebody responsible for the offerings. Someone respons some people are responsible for singing. Nehemiah put those things in place. Someone is responsible to keep the gate as a gatekeeper. Somebody is in charge of the purification, cleansing of the church. Some are called the Levites to serve God, God Almighty. And Nehemiah started purifying this house. I'll just take, take five minutes more and leave you. Nehemiah started purifying this house. Just listen to this. He went into the temple and he did something 
similar to what Jesus did when he walked into the temple of God. Nehemiah found that people had allowed their you know, uncovenant relatives, they were brought into the temple of God. And remember, this is Old Testament. It is important. Anyone who is not godly is not supposed to walk into the temple of God. Not in the New Testament. We need sinners at the church. You know, get my message clear. We need sinners today in the church to worship God. We need ungodly people in the church to worship God because they need Christ more than we need Christ. They need Christ because they need to be washed from their sins. But in the Old Testament days, the ungodly people cannot enter into the temple of God. But the people allowed everybody there in the temple of God. And Eliashib, he's a priest. And he was a relative of Tobiah, the one who was opposing Nehemiah's work. And he prepared a great big room in the temple of God. Inside the temple of God, you can imagine a great room and a big round table. And this man was occupying that place. Nehemiah came and threw everything out of the temple of God, which was not godly. And he also noticed that there are many people, they are making money by selling things. And Nehemiah threw everybody out. And he rebuked them, he warned them, and he even threatened them, saying that don't enter into the temple of God and defile the temple of God. It's our life today. Our life is the temple of God. We are against, we need to be against everything that defiles our life. And a couple of things Nehemiah did. He said, if you people, you don't fear God, at least you fear me. Now he was very strict, very rude. Seeing the ungodly things that were happening in the temple. Great leader. He also learned that some Jewish people, they married non-Jewish people, non-Jewish women. And Nehemiah contended with them and he cursed them at times. He slapped them, Bible says. He pulled with their hair. And he even, even pulled their beard. Nehemiah, why? Because he had such a great zeal for God and the house of God. Now God speaks to us as we hear this. Do we have the zeal for the house of God? For the work of God? And he even made them to swear, made them to tell that never they will give their children in marriage to non-Jewish people again. He brought that purity. So great leaders drive towards spiritual, not just building the wall, but there are so many other things need to be accomplished. Nehemiah did not come just to build the wall. Building the wall was the first thing, but then once that is done, he started Leading people to God. You know, that's what God wants you and me to do. God wants us to lead people to Christ. Help close now. You know, if building the wall really helped Nehemiah to bring people to God, think about this for a moment. That's what I was thinking. My mind was going in this way. How important it is to set the right environment for people to serve God. Nehemiah built the wall cleaned up the space, and now people started serving God. You know, th that most of the time, we complain about people, but it's not people. It is bringing the right environment, people, where people can serve. I was thinking about it. If we need to change our worship style a little bit, so that youth can come to church, probably we'll be, we should be willing to do that. Because if you don't, first, first hand, if you don't invite them, they can't hear. They can't hear. If you need to put a coffee bar here so that people can ha have coffee, we are not afraid to do that. Nehemiah was building the wall around and cleaning up so that people 
can have the right environment to worship God. To worship God. Whatever it may be. It may be a good sound, good lighting, air condition, heating system, whatever it needs required for so that people can come to Christ. Nehemiah was not hesitating to do all those things. And Nehemiah was not satisfied. You know, until the wall was built, he built that wall. God wants us to lead people to Christ. Leaders are not just willing to build the wall, but willing to lead people to Christ. And I believe this morning, the life of Nehemiah speaks to us. Three key points we spoke about this morning to summarize. Number one, three leadership qualities we learn from this man of God. Number one, leaders take initiative. Leaders take initiative. It's always I. Number two, leaders handle opposition. And number three, leaders drive towards spiritual. Leaders drive towards spiritual. Shall we close our eyes?